center and coming in as Bloom. Millendike centered it. Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour underway. It is Valentine's Day. It's Wednesday, February 14th with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to CalgaryLockAndSafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution. Happy Valentine's Day, Mr. Gilbertson. You as well, Mr. Steinberg. Um, we're uh, we're going to get into the spirit. We are celebrating Valentine's Day this hour on Flamestock. How, you ask? We are going to play Valentine's Day Matchmaker. Now... This is a Wes Gilbertson idea, so I need to get Wes to explain the rules of what we're about to do here. How are we playing Flames Talk Valentine's Day matchmaker when it comes to the Flames 3? Let me me say, we're going to do it with the three Flames main trade targets. Yes. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanevin, yes, due to recent conversations and reports. Jacob Markstrom. Jacob Those are going to be the three that we play matchmaker with. But with the official rules of today's game, <laughs> here's Wes Gilbertson. Well, the rules are quite simple uh, since we're making them up on the fly. But <laughs> we are going to come up with the perfect match for those three gentlemen in terms of trade suitors. There's really just one rule, and that's that it can't be the same answer. Pat and I have not shared our perfect matches for these players. We each have two for each guy in case yep. ours is uh, taken. And uh, let's see what we come up with. The The biggest rule being, we'd love to hear yours too. Yes. So chime in on the text line. We're going to come up with the perfect match for Noah Hannafin, the perfect match for Chris Tanev, and the perfect match for Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, send yours in. Yes, and I and and so and send them in as we're doing them. If you're listening live, send them in as we are doing them, and and because we'll we'll double back on the text line at the end of the conversation about each one. Let's start with Noah Hannafin. Um, you go first. So you you go first on Hannafin and Markstrom. I'll go first on Tanev, um, and then we uh, we will not choose the same one. So if you know, West takes mine, I'll have a second one ready to go. Sort sort of like uh, winning the coin toss at the start of overtime because I told you as we were walking in today, Noah Hannafin is the one I had the most trouble coming up with a perfect match for. So I'd like to uh, elect to kick. I want to hear yours here. Okay, so I'm going. So you're deferring. Okay. Yeah. Um, my perfect match, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay. I I think so with the Sergachev injury and Sergachev taking up a significant amount of Tampa Bay's cap, and he's now done for the season. Sergachev to LTIR um, gives the the Lightning a significant amount of cap space to go out and do something. Uh, Sergachev is an eight and a half million dollar cap hit, so with him on LTIR. It gives the Lightning some flexibility to go out and do something. And look, 
Is Tampa Bay looked at the same way right now that they were two years ago when they made their third consecutive Stanley Cup final? No, maybe not. And and the Lightning were finally ousted in the playoffs um, in before the Stanley Cup final last year when Toronto finally beat them. Um, but we're still talking about a team that sits third in their division, and we're still talking about a team that with their goaltender and with a couple of their talented game-breaking players. Like when you're t- you can't sit here and tell me that they can't they they can't upset upset if you will a Florida or a Boston in a round one or two when you're talking about Kucherov and Point and Stamkos and Vasilevsky. I just they've got that ability, and with Sergachev out, they're missing a, a top pairing defenseman, and Noah Hannafin and his very easy to uh, to absorb cap hit would allow them to do that and something else yeah. using their LTIR space. They still want to win Stanley Cups. Julien Brisbois is not looking to rebuild. They have been to three of the four, three of the last four Stanley Cup finals. They have guys on contracts that work right now that aren't bank breakers. It just feels to me like the Lightning have a few years left of being able to convince themselves that they can win a Stanley Cup. And I still believe they're a team that could win a Stanley Cup. They are not as deep as they were. There's no question. But I think the perfect match for Noah Hannafin, especially since the Sergeyev season ender, is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm going to come in out of left field on this one. I think the perfect match for... baby. Noah Hannafin. The perfect match for 27-year-old Noah Hannafin is the Arizona Coyotes. Okay. And I know that they're not in the playoff picture right now. And I know that there's always a bunch of mess about ownership there and building and what's going on. I think it's time for the Arizona Coyotes to make a statement that they're serious about winning. And... Noah Hannafin is a guy who can be one of their big minute sorts as that team transitions as they hope to do into a legit contender. The Arizona Coyotes certainly have plenty of cap space. Again, I don't know all the specifics of ownership in terms of what they're willing to spend. They got plenty of cap space and they've got the sort of assets that they could make this deal quite easily and not feel like they just looted their system, right? They got tons of prospects. I think they have half the picks in the next couple of (laughs) entry drafts. And I look at them as a team who might be sort of surveying the situation and saying, you know, there's a whole bunch of suitors for Noah Hannafin that for one reason or another, it's tough for them to make this work, right? I, I, as I went through this matchmaker process, I wanted to send Noah Hannafin to play with his good buddy, Matthew Kachuk in Florida, but they have so many UFAs coming up on the blue line. I couldn't make sense of it. They're going to need to pay Sam Reinhart plus a ton of blue liners. I wanted, as I went through the process to send Noah Hannafin to play with another good buddy in Jack Eichel in Vegas. But I can't make heads or tails out of that 
salary cap situation in the short, medium, or long term. I, I just don't know. And then you look at Tampa. I wonder after the trade that they made for Tanner Genoa, what do they have left to offer the Calgary Flames? And so I wonder if the Arizona Coyotes look and say, ever since we traded Jacob Chitron, we've needed a guy that can play on our top pairing. And this might be our opportunity to get a guy to sell him on our market and to get him extended before having to go in the free agent bidding. I also think that that's become a rather creative front office and they'd see the potential payoff of worst case scenario, doing a sign and trade with a team that wants Noah Hannafin for eight years before he goes to market. And so I know that doesn't put Noah Hannafin in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but as I went through it, I think the perfect match is the Arizona Coyotes. I like it, and for the Coyotes, I think they would have to be a team that goes to Craig Conroy and says, hey, we're interested, we're interested in in meeting your price, we're interested in paying a fair price, and we're interested in re-signing him. Can we talk to him? Can we talk to his agent prior to making a deal? Can you give us a 24- or 48-hour window to chat with Hannafin and his representation to see if there can be a contract fit and if he's willing to sign for eight years with us? If that's the case, we'd like to, we'd like to make a deal. I, I, I could absolutely see that, and, and I think that there's um, some validity to that for sure. Two, you and I came up with two very different matches, right? I, I'm looking at a team that I, I think might try to keep Noah Hannafin for eight years, and if not, get creative with a sign-and-trade, sort of capitalizing on that opportunity. And, and you're looking at a team that might not be able to keep him beyond this spring, but rightly believes that they might have a cup contender on their hands. Look, yeah. at, look at the season that Kucherov's having. Look at the age of guys like Stamkos. There's every reason for the Tampa Bay Lightning to be all in. I, I like both matches, to be honest with you. And and I mean, I'm not super um, familiar with the system of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm just not. That's not my area of expertise. Um, but I do know they've got a first-round pick in 2026, and maybe that can be the beginning of a package here that makes sense. And I know that a first-round pick in 2026 is a ways away, but the Flames aren't building for just right away. They're, they're looking to build, period. And so if you can, if you can bring a 2026 first-round pick back, where I think it's fair to say that come 2026, there's a good chance that Tampa will not be at the top of their competitive window and might be starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Maybe that's a good pick. And for Tampa, they, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, that sucks to not have our 2026 first-round pick, but we tried to win another Stanley yeah, Cup. they're in. Banners fly forever, right? And, and that's what I love about Julian Breezebois in, in Tampa. Like he, he is not making a decision based on what it's going to look like three years from now. And with the caliber of talent he has on his roster this minute, he shouldn't. Different scenario than the Calgary Flames. Yep. Right? Quite frankly, the opposite. And so that's why I think um, it could make a potential good match for the Flames with Tampa Bay. The need is there. And because the need is there, I even wonder if, if Tampa tries to do something else, maybe they, maybe it has to be a three-way deal where the flames get everything that they want. But I just feel like 
the need is so great for Tampa. If they want to win a Stanley Cup, they need another top four defenseman, top pair defenseman um, with, with Sergeyev out. And if they can get another team involved for Calgary to get what they need, or if they can dig way deep to make this happen, like maybe because they don't, maybe you can get them to give you a couple of first round picks to make this work. And you're going way into the future, but you're, I just, I think when there's a need, there's a way and the lightning have a need. Yeah, absolutely. I like that one. Um, Okay. Few texts at 960, 960. This says, why would any player sign with the Coyotes right now? That's from John and Mesa. It's a fair question because we don't know where they're going. Yeah. But I think that the hockey ops is starting to move in a decent direction anyway. Yeah, I mean, the the team is on the rise. The market is desirable. And and yes, I know there's some questions about whether they're going to be there long term. But those questions have been lingering for so long that it's sort of still hard for me to wrap my head around them moving. And they have money to spend. If they want to make a statement that, yeah, we're we're ready to sort of ratchet it up. Yeah, we're we're gonna pay a guy top dollar to be here. Yeah. I think Noah Hannafin makes a lot of sense for them. And would Noah have some questions about it? Yeah, absolutely. John's John's point is not lost on me, but at some point there there's only so many dollars to go around and there's a lot of teams pressed right up against the salary cap. Yep. The Arizona Coyotes are not one of them. Yep. A uh, few texts at 960-960 before we move to uh, our next trade target. Uh, this says, uh, how about a Barrett Hayton involved in a return for Arizona? Young roster player, underperforming, fits Calgary's target. Yeah, he's 23 years old. That could be a nice player to bring back with a pick and more. Uh, this says, watching Hannafin and Valamaki become the Coyotes' top D pairing would both make me smile and make my eyes roll right to the back of my head. Um yeah, I could understand fair, that. Fair. Uh, either the Devils or Coyotes would be perfect fits in a trade for Hannafin. New Jersey was my second pick. Uh, if you went Tampa Bay on uh, on Hannafin, that comes from Noah. Um, Hannafin to the Islanders, pair him with Dobson, and watch them feed Barzell and Horvat. Um, that would no, be Noah would be Dobson is such a stud now. Yeah. Oh, God, he's turned into a good player. It's a bit of a sore spot for Flames fans as well. <laughs> yeah, I realized that. Of course, Dobson was uh, the pick that the Islanders got in the Hamannick trade. Am I right in that? One of them. One of the picks, yeah. yeah the first yeah, round I believe pick so. yeah. they got in the Hamannick trade. Uh, okay, next. Chris Tanev's perfect match is. You're going first this time. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. I think this is sort of a, um, you know, a slam dunk from the fact that he's a Toronto kid but this makes sense for so many reasons to me it makes sense because we know that the Toronto Maple Leafs are are desperate for an upgrade on their blue line we know that Brad Treliving not only knows Tanev's game but appreciates it probably as much as anyone in the the National Hockey League we know that Toronto among could-be contenders has one of the worst penalty kills 78.5% right now. We know that they've got some questions in goal, which is just further reason to look to add a defensive defenseman. And the way Chris Tanev operates, the type of professional he is, just the way it's sort of water off a duck's back with him, I don't have any questions about whether Chris Tanev could handle that market. 
I don't have any questions about whether he'd be overwhelmed by the spotlight in Toronto. And in fact, I, I think he's sort of the last guy you'd question that about. And I also like, and, and I don't say this as some sort of knock on the core four and the rest of the Maple Leafs, but I think Chris Tanev's ultimate, like the way he is willing to sacrifice to win a hockey game, the way he will be willing to sacrifice to win hockey games in the playoffs, I think that can rub off on teammates. I, I think we've seen it in Calgary rub off on guys the way he puts himself on the line. You sort of can't help but do it. And, and I'm certainly not saying that the current guys in Toronto aren't trying to win, but maybe seeing that in their locker room would be a big-time boost. And what I think makes this so intriguing from a Flames perspective, and and I know that Toronto doesn't have a ton of picks either, but we know in this market, as well as anywhere, that if Brad Treliving decides he's going to get a guy, he's going to do everything he can to make that deal happen. You know, one of what I think was Brad's major missteps as Flames GM, and I didn't question it at the time, but I think it's easy to in hindsight, I thought one of the major missteps he made was giving up three draft picks to bring in Callie Yarncroke for two months. And again, hindsight's easy. He wasn't much of an impact guy in Calgary. He ultimately left as a free agent. But if you can leverage how badly Brad Treliving wants this player, I think you can get a pretty good package out of Toronto. So for me, the Toronto Maple Leafs are Chris Tanev's perfect match. I think it's a good one. Dallas Stars. I had that as my second me. one. Yeah. And and I just, I don't like, if I'm Dallas, I think I'm in a Stanley Cup window right now. And and I think that my forward group is pretty set. Duchesne's been a great fit there. You've got, you've got Ben and Sagan who have, I think, very nicely moved into um, secondary roles. With Robertson and Hints, and I, I, I think at forward they're liking where they are. They've got Wyatt their Johnson. dynamic. Wyatt Johnston's yeah. turned into a really good player. I still think they could go, get themselves a little bit deeper up front, but I think adding a Chris Tanev does two things. First of all, it balances their left right. Right now they're going four left, two right. They've got Haskin in playing the right side as a left shot. Now imagine. One of the best defensemen in the NHL with Chris Tanev as his partner. Miro Haskinen, to me, is one of the elites. He's one of the the gold standard D in the league. Now imagine Haskinen playing his natural side, his strong side, with Chris Tanev on his strong side Mm -hmm. on the same pairing. Now you can go Harley with whoever. You can go Lindell with whoever. Um, and all of a sudden, you've balanced your left-rights again. And and it gives you a really, really good situation to be in. And, and maybe... You know, maybe one of their right shots comes out of the lineup and they're still going with four left and two rights because Nils Lundqvist would be the guy who I think comes out of that lineup if Tanev's in there. Can I just add something to your point that I scribbled down? And and I didn't put the names. I I was just jotting some notes. The Dallas Stars' four top ice time guys on the blue line are all left-handed shots. Yeah. that Their top four in minutes are all lefties. And so adding a right-hander who can eat minutes, not just eat pucks, but eat minutes the way Tanev does, I love it. 
Uh, by the way, Dallas has some good prospects. Whether it is, and I don't know if you're getting any of these guys in a TANAV trade. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. But from Maverick Bork to, um, obviously, uh, Logan Stankoven, which I think would be off the table in a TANAV trade. They've got all their first-round picks coming up in the next three years. They've got second-round picks in two of the next three years. I think Dallas would be a match made in heaven. And we finish with Jacob Markstrom. We don't have to spend as much time on this one because we spent so much time on Jacob all week. So we'll maybe spend a little bit less on this one. But if he does end up getting dealt, you want to go first? You want me to? Yeah, you go ahead. We might have the same answer here. I'm not going to go New Jersey because that one's a gimme. That one, we know that that one was whatever, however close it was. Yeah, I'm also going to, well, that might be my second choice. You go. Let's hear it. I might just agree on this one. I don't know. I forget the rules. I think Toronto, man. Okay, I, I got I, a different one. I and I know that they love Joe Wall, and I know that they also are feeling that Samsonov's coming around. And I also Elliot made a good point. I think it was on Thirty Two Thoughts this week uh, on on the Monday Thirty Two Thoughts. He, he made a good point about maybe if you're Brad Tree Living, you don't go all in this year, but you're not bringing Markstrom in for just this year. I don't, and and you know, I'll, I'll maybe ask Kevin Woodley about this on Thursday's show. He's a huge Joel Wall, Joe Wall fan, but Jacob Markstrom, salary retained, of course, in Toronto with a team that is on a cusp, and we all know how talented they are. They probably need help on defense. Maybe they get Tanev too. Who knows? I just Tree's the guy who signed Jacob to the six by six. I think that'd be a good fit. They, I, I think that they could do well with that type of goaltender. I'll tell you who my perfect match for Jacob Markstrom is. The Carolina Hurricanes. That they were my number two. One of the worst team save percentages in the league, and yet hanging around in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. This is a team just like the point you made about the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Carolina Hurricanes window to win is certainly not closing at the end of this season. Now they have a few older guys, but this, this is a core with some staying power. And I I think the opportunity to add a goalie who's signed for two more years to, to address one of your biggest issues. I, I think he can make a ton of sense there. Their sort of best current option is Kochkov. Kochkov. Am I pronouncing that right? Kochkov. Okay. I believe it. Kachetkov? I think that's how you say it. He's a little... That guy. He's the guy a little who, bit Peter of a, with a Y. He's a little bit of a, a question mark at best, but I, I think that you could also sell it as, hey, here's an opportunity for us to bring in a really good veteran mentor. And I'll tell you what I'm sort of curious about with the Carolina Hurricanes is whether instead of salary retention... The Flames might take back Frederick Anderson, who has one more season left on his deal at 3.4. Now, I know he's had some blood clot issues. He's just recently back on the ice. You might have to clear some hurdles in terms of whether he can actually be traded. But we always talk about, well, who's going to be the veteran influence on Dustin Wolf? Well, you know, how how's the money going to work? I, I wonder if, and it wouldn't, be the main part of the return, but just like we saw Kuzmenko instead of retention on Lindholm, I wonder if instead of retention, 
you might take on Freddie Anderson's salary, bring him in, hope he can play some, hope he can help Dustin Wolf, maybe hope he can help Dan Vladar, depending on how you hope to kind of arrange those deck chairs. But yeah. I'm curious about that as well. few texts to wrap it up, and then we'll uh, recap. Um, this says Tanev to New Jersey seems to make sense. Goal differentials poor and his shot blocking ability would help and protect that goalie a bit too. Um, this says Tanev to Dallas, Hannafin to Detroit, Markstrom to Carolina. That's from John. Um, Robin Coldale says the Hurricanes are cheap. They're not going to give up much. Uh, JP says Marky, Marky was complimentary. Reed Tanev joining him in Calgary. Could they be a package deal no matter where they end up? Could be. And this one, the Kings arguably need Markstrom more than anyone at the moment. So to recap, the Kings need a lot right now. Yeah. What a mess. That was bad on Tuesday night. Oof. Jonathan Davis in just minutes to talk about that. Um, to recap, my three match made in heavens on our Valentine's Day matchmaker, uh, I went Hannafin to, where did I go? Hannafin, Tampa. Tanev, Dallas, Markstrom, Toronto. You went. Hannafin, Arizona. Yep. Tanev, Toronto, Markstrom, Carolina. That was fun. That was fun. I wonder if we'll talk about Flames and Trades again this week. We should jot it down for first week in March. I like that idea. Yeah. Hold it off till then. <laughs> Pat and Wes along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They're all things basement Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. It's Steinberg along with you on a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, which means we're checking in with our Pacific Division insider. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network joins us every Wednesday here on Flames Talk and joins us right now. Mr. Davis, how are you, sir? Doing great, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing very well. Um... Better than the Los Angeles Kings after, uh, hey, they got the they got the one-game new coach bump, but um, didn't uh, seem to go that way on Tuesday night. What, uh, what an obliteration that was for an L.A. team in game two under their new head coach. It was embarrassing. I mean, there, there's just, there's, you know, I had one Kings person tell me, you know, I hate when people who don't work for the team say unacceptable. Uh, when they tweet that out, because what are you going to do? Like, it's not like you can punish anybody, but as he said, if anyone tweeted out unacceptable last night, I would have been right with him. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, right from the get go, uh, they, they looked flat uh, and there's just no excuse for it and no, no explanation for it whatsoever. Uh, and it didn't matter, you know, you're relying on your star players to kind of you know carry you through these times. And, you know, the, the second goal was a muffin that Drew Doughty, or pizza that, that Drew Doughty served up to Jordan Greenway that, you know, easily it just became 2 nothing that quickly, and, and they just never rebounded. And so there's just far more questions after last night than answers. Uh, you know, today at practice, they, they juggled the lines. Jim Hiller moved some things around. He, he's got Kevin Fiala now playing with, uh, with Kopitar and Quinton Byfield. 
they Victor Arvison looks to make his debut, it looks like, on Thursday against New Jersey, and he was reunited with Trevor Moore and, and Philippe Deneau. And now uh, Adrian Kempe finds himself uh, playing on a line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Alex LaFerriere. So, and, and it's funny, you use the term unacceptable, and, like, if, if that's an L.A. Kings team that was sitting pretty like they were in November and December, it's one thing. But as we're in mid-February now, they, they are in a tenuous playoff spot. I don't, I don't understand how you can have that type of effort. I mean, I, it happens. Bad games happen. I get it. I understand how an 82-game season goes. But you know, there's a Kings team mired in this gross slump since the calendar year turned. And they their, their, their gap in terms of a playoff spot has almost been completely eliminated. Like, they... They don't have it in them to have games where they just don't show up at this point. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I think, you know, I've always described the theory that teams get like five stinkers a year. But you're absolutely right that at this this point in time, like you can't afford a stinker. And, you know, you can't afford stinkers. You know, they had, look, the last time they played Buffalo or the first time they played Buffalo back at Crypto, you know, that's when, uh, I think it was, was it after that game or it was the San Jose game? But after the first game at Buffalo, they, you know, they were up 3 nothing. they lose 5-3. And then, you know, then they play San Jose and they lose. And Drew Doughty, you know, uh, airs out what, what was probably a lot of stuff that was, I'm sure, aired out in the locker room and Drew decided to make it public and ripped his team. And then Drew goes out and he has a bad game. And, you know, I, I looked at the Edmonton game, Pat, and I, I was saying to people, I was in Anaheim the night before when Edmonton played Anaheim in a game that Edmonton just expended you know, a, a tremendous amount of energy in that third period and finally, you know, erased their third deficit of the game and, and won that one five, three. So when, you know, that Saturday night on hockey night in Canada, you know, they, they were, they looked gassed and I wasn't surprised by it. So, you know, when you see what, what took place last night for Los Angeles, I kind of look back at that Saturday night game against Edmonton, I go, well, maybe that was just more of a schedule loss for Edmonton than it was about the way the Kings played. Because I thought L.A. played okay, but I thought, again, David Riddick was their best player on the ice. Uh, but Edmonton was just really bad. And then to see what went on last night, you know, it, it's it's very disappointing. And, you know, there's there's a lot of different issues going on in Los Angeles. You know, you, you know we've talked about it before. They brought up Brant Clark, but it's, you know, he, he's been kind of like on a yo-yo, uh, getting in and getting, you know, playing and then sitting and playing and sitting. And to me, that makes no sense. If you're mm-hmm. going to bring up your prized prospect, Pat, that guy plays every game or send him back to the, you know, to the AHL. Uh, you know, Arthur Kaliev is a guy that, you know, we again, we've talked about Kaliev. He can't find his way back in the lineup. It doesn't look like he's going to play again tomorrow against New Jersey. It, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, you're, they've got a guy in Alex LaFerriere who came out, who's come up. He's got six goals in 49 games. His first game in L.A., he got, he got into a fight that night. He became a darling out here. He's got one goal in his last 20 games. I got a guy like Arthur Kaliev who can score and scores from distance, and he still can't find his way into the lineup. It just then, then trade him. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. And then when you just talk about trades, you know, here in Los Angeles, like, okay, so what, you know, what, what does Rob Blake have left to do? He fired his coach in hoping that that would turn things around. Well, okay. They're one and one. And obviously as we've, as we've got on a, a very ugly loss, 
if you're going to make a trade, and goaltending is, is, is the hot topic of conversation in L.A., and not that goaltending was going to save them last night, but, you know, you, you hear UC Soros' name. Well, UC Soros carries a $5 million cap hit. So what, what can L.A. do to make that work? Well, Nashville wants scoring. Well, the only guy that really doesn't have a no, doesn't have a no trade or a no move is Adrian Kempe, outside of Victor Arvidsson. And I don't think that Nashville's interested in, in Arvidsson, especially injury-riddled and uh, on an expiring deal. So, and they've had him you know, before. Kempe's, and they've had him before, right. You know, so, you know, that, if, you're, if they're looking for a forward, that would be the guy. Other than that, you know, they've got Matt Roy, a defenseman who's on an expiring contract. You could include Kalia, but you're still not at $5 million. So, uh I don't know what I don't know what what LA can do, and I don't even know if you know trading for a goalie is you know based upon last night's performance, trading for a goalie is not going to make a darn bit of difference. Well, and and before we move on from LA, I just it's it's so fascinating because last week we talked about the interesting comments that Rob Blake made after making the coaching change and and relieving Todd McClellan of his duties and 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 basically saying that like I know that that was kind of my last move and I know who's in the spotlight and in the crosshairs now mm-hmm. so I what what is Rob Blake's MO is is this a a playoffs or bust situation are you talking about his future in Los Angeles? Well, just asking? like his mindset is—is is that the way that he looks at this now? Like it's playoffs or bust. Well, I mean, I, look, I think that you know, the, anything short of making the playoffs, really, it's not even just the playoffs, Pat. If they don't get out of the first round, if they make the playoffs and don't get out of the first round, yeah, then, then I, I, I think that we will have further changes in Los Angeles. Um, but you know, look, the biggest, you know, the other problem that they have, you know they've got too many guys that have, you know, no trade, no moves. Like Kempe has, he's got a modified no trade that kicks in next season. So, you know, if if you're going to move him, you know, you've got to move him this year. And I don't, so Rob Blake doesn't have a lot of bullets, if any, you know, really left in the chamber. And, and again, I, I, I just, I look at, it's so disappointing to see what they're doing with, you know, with the young kids, whether it be Brant Clark or Jordan Spence or Arthur Kaliev, um, you know, this is a team. I, I've said to you before, Pat, they don't they don't trust their prospects. This is not something new. They just don't. Uh, and so it, it is confusing. Look, Calgary's in a bit of a different situation than Los Angeles, but, you know, they've finally given opportunity to their young players. I, I you know, L.A., you know, it, it's kind of like they want to win now, um, and so they're you're, you're kind of sacrificing your your kids if you if, or you just don't believe in them. I mean, it, it's 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 very it's very frustrating uh, for for King Sands. And and I the other thing, Pat, I've said for years, what's the plan? Because I don't know. It, yeah. it, it seems to change from year to year. It 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 really does. And uh, so, <laughs> you know. Uh, look, I don't think anyone anyone else in the Pacific is is crying for is crying over this for the LA Kings, um, but you know it, it it didn't have to go this way. It shouldn't have gone this way. Um, you know, it, when you've got a prospect pool that many had considered to be one of the best, um, you know, maybe you, you you should have tried to you know instead of try, instead of bringing the kids up and playing them. Look, they did the other thing. They they tried to acquire talent. 
Um, the problem is, is that when you're trading, pri- you know, quote unquote, prize prospects, Pat, you better get something really good in return. So, you know, Brock Faber, you know, for Kevin Fiala, I don't yeah. think that's going to age well. Yeah. And, you know, and part of the problem, you know, was with that deal, to be honest with you, Pat, is, you know, it, it's Faber, Faber, I don't think, wanted to come to L.A. because I think he kind of looked at the path on the right side and kind of like what Brand Clark's in right now, he's like, where am I playing? Yeah. And I think he, I think he kind of forced the trade because I don't think he felt that there was – you know, an immediate, you know, there was, there was an immediate opportunity like there would be somewhere else. So I think that's, you know, I think that's why the hand got forced. And then, you know, you, you trade, you, you trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, I think men, you know, we, look, I, I, it was no secret about what his reputation was, but again, you know, you're giving up players that, uh, you know, continue to flourish uh, now in another market. Yep. And the guy you traded for um, yeah. has been a major disappointment. Um, we're chatting with Jonathan Davis. That's the L.A. side of things, uh, spinning around the Pacific Division on this Wednesday inside hockey. Uh, quickly on the Oilers, um, I, Connor McDavid seems like he's, remember, Connor McDavid, uh, is this the, has he jumped the shark? That was the, I don't think anybody actually believed that in October. But, you know, just the six assists, uh, that seemed to be okay against Detroit. What, um, before we get to Phil Kessel in Vancouver, What's um yeah. what what's what what are you looking at as as we're just a little more than three weeks away from the deadline? What what does Edmonton need? What is Edmonton targeting here? Oh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention as you just mentioned Connor and his six helpers last night. Anze Kopitar becoming the first former Selkie winner to be a minus six <laughs> last night. That that uh, yeah, will okay, that so. will that will stick with Kopitar for the rest of his career, and I don't I don't say that in in any jest. I just know right. as much as we like to make fun of the stats sometimes, I I just know that that will stick with him forever because he's that is going to that is going to not go over well with a guy that proud at all, and and that'll bug him for ages. Yeah. Okay. So Edmonton, to answer your question uh, about what's next for the Oilers. You know, I, I would think it, it's it's trying to find some help on the back end, and I don't know if they're in the goalie market. I don't know if there's really, you know, look, Calvin Pickard has done the job, and and you know, whatever whatever goalie they're going to get, I mean, how many how many games are they going to play? And if it's working with Pickard, and you're not really, you know, you're only playing him, you know, maybe once every two weeks now. I guess the difference in Winnipeg and Edmonton right now, Pat, is just the fact that their schedule just ramps up here in the second half. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's possible that Pickard gets more exposed. I would think that I would think they may have a better, maybe better to find themselves more help on the back end and kind of take that, you know, that Vegas approach where you're protecting the house and, you know, just asking your goalie to make the first save. So, you know, we've seen how Edmonton's tightened things up defensively. I would think defense, I mean, I heard at one point that there, you know, that there was interest in trying to find a way to make Jake Gensel work. I just don't know how that happens. Um, but I would think more help on, on the blue line like many other teams are looking for. And we'll uh, we'll wrap up with Vancouver, who um, looks like they may have eyes on an addition at forward before the deadline. Not via trade, just uh, straight up free agent. 
what what do we what do we think? What do we know about Phil Kessel arriving in the Lower Mainland? Well, he's there, but I, I don't really understand this one, Pat. I mean, it's a he's a guy that couldn't find his way into the lineup for the for the Vegas Golden Knights last last year during their Cup run. So, and, and I don't know like where where does he fit in? Like, you're, he's not playing top six. Why would you mess with the third line in in Vancouver that has been such a a great story and you know, do you really, you know, do you really want Phil on your fourth? Like, yeah, he doesn't profile as a fourth liner. Line? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and he's not playing power play. Like, like he's not taking someone's spot on the power play right now. Like, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I, I really, I, I, I just don't understand, you know, where, where that works. I mean, unless, you know, look, could he find himself in a game or two for the Canucks? Sure. Has he got the playoff experience that could help this team? Yeah, I guess. Um, he can be that voice, but I, I just, I, I'm not sure whose spot he's taking that's going to make this team, you know, that's really going to help this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, I look, I've heard Elliot say, you know, the fact that, hey, look, if you need a goal, uh, you know, that's Phil's, you know, Phil, Phil can get you a goal. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, couldn't get Vegas a goal in the playoffs last year, but you know, uh, now he does have the, he does have the, the talk at whisperer next to him, and maybe that that'll that'll change things. See how it plays out. It's going to be a fascinating uh, role towards the trade deadline in this Pacific Division. Can the Kings right their ship? What do the Canucks and the Oilers do? Vegas will likely do something as well. Uh, and then obviously there's this Flames team that we cover here at all times that, yeah. that seems like they might make a move or two, too. Uh, thank you, J.D. Great stuff as always. We'll do it again next week, hey? All right, bud. Be well. Take care. That's Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider. Joins us from NHL Network every Friday. He joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today as we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson, our co-host on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Thanks to Shan, our producer. And that'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution.